when we've looked at studies, not just with the young group, but everyone, especially even our highest net worth clients, the biggest challenge they say they have when it comes to giving is knowing who to give to, where to give to. And it's helpful when somebody that you know is saying, I believe in this organization, they're doing great work. I think that that is really helping to inspire bigger movement and helping those people that are struggling with, I want to be charitable, but I don't know who to give to. It's really helping solve that problem too. This is Money Conscious from Millstone Evans Group. I'm your host, Sasha Millstone. Join me as we discuss investing, financial planning, and life. Visit us at millstoneevansgroup.com and thanks for joining us. Welcome to Money Conscious Podcast, everybody. Today we're going to focus on a topic that's timely to the season, charitable giving. I'm delighted to have as our guest, Nicole Heisler. Nicole is the Senior Vice President and Director of Charitable Solutions at Raymond James Trust. This means Nicole leads the charitable solutions business for RJ Trust, including the team that provides general administration for RJ Charitable. RJ Charitable is a public 501c3 with a donor-advised fund program. Prior to taking this role in 2018, Nicole was the director of corporate marketing for Raymond James, and she's worked for Raymond James since 2011. Many of our clients have donor-advised funds through the program that Nicole is managing, and we're going to spend some time today talking about donor-advised funds because I think many more may choose to participate if they know a little bit more about it. Before coming aboard as the Director of Charitable Solutions at RJ Trust, Nicole was the Director of Corporate Marketing for Raymond James, and she's worked at Raymond James since 2011. She's also run her own marketing agency and been an adjunct professor at the University of Florida, which is her alma mater. She taught social media management. And in addition to all of this, Nicole practices what she preaches. She's very active in her community, and she serves on the board for Friends of the Children and supports fundraising efforts in many nonprofits in Tampa Bay. Welcome, Nicole. I'm excited to talk with you about some of the ways that people can approach charitable giving today. Thank you for having me. I love this topic, too. I'm excited to be here. I am looking forward to hearing about some of the trends that you're seeing happening in the space. But let's start off with a little bit more about you. Why did you decide to make the switch from head of corporate marketing to come over to the charitable side as director of charitable solutions for RJ Trust? Gosh, it's really not surprising, probably, but I feel like I have the coolest job at Raymond James, really. I mean, I get to work in a finance environment with all these incredibly smart people, and now I get to focus on client interaction as it relates to philanthropic efforts. I mean, who 
who wouldn't want to do that? So it was an easy choice for me. I obviously think it's important to give back and get involved in your community and support charities financially as well. And it was a perfect marriage with my financial services background and my passion for charity, but also my marketing background too, because a lot of what I do is educate people on donor advice funds and charitable giving strategies. And I do that through marketing efforts. So it was a perfect opportunity for me. And RJ Trust has gone through many wonderful, helpful changes in their charitable giving, which we're going to get to because of your leadership. And as somebody who's benefited from that, I really appreciate it. One of the fastest growing areas of charitable giving is donor advised funds. So let's start with explaining to our listeners, what is a donor advised fund and how does it work? So donor advised funds are accounts within public charities. So any public charity can create a program for giving. And so a donor advised fund is is part of a giving program that a charity would offer. So Raymond James Charitable, as you mentioned, is a public 501c3 that offers this program. And by entering into the program, you as a donor would open an account with the charity and the charity allows you to make recommendations on the donation that you provide. So you donate, you get an account, a sub account within the charity's assets, and the charity lets you pick how you want the dollars invested among their investment options, how you want to direct grants, recommendations for grants out to charities from that account, and also usually a succession plan. How would you like the assets to be handled upon your passing if there's a balance in the account? Do you want someone to take over as your advisor for grant making, or do you have charities that you want to list for the money to go to over some set time? So the beauty of these accounts is that you get a tax deduction receipt when you fund it, but then the money gets invested tax-free and it's there and ready for you to distribute at the pace that you think is right, at the pace that the charities would appreciate receiving it and whatever makes the most sense for your family from a giving perspective. And you also get to name your charitable fund. So like, for example, I have one and I named it the Better World Fund, Uh, but you get to name it anything you want to. And you have this pool of money as as my experience with my fund is I, I love having a set pool of money that is just forgiving so that when something comes up, when something comes across my desk or when somebody in the community who runs a nonprofit asks for some help from me, I have a place I can go. There's money there specifically for giving, you know? So uh, I love that. And I'll tell you that I, I would say that's one of the biggest advantages that many of my clients who do have donor advised funds really love. They find it very convenient. They don't have to think about, can I afford it? No, there's a pool of money that's right there. That only thing you can do with it ultimately is give it to charity. Right. I mean, you're in the business of helping people with their financial plans and you are helping them create a plan for their giving as well, which it does. It just makes it so much. It kind of makes it more fun, right? I mean, you have this money sitting in this account. It's 
It's irrevocable. It has to go to charity. Giving it away is the fun part. And to have it ready when somebody needs it, when they come to you with a cause is so fulfilling. And we saw so many people in 2020 when there was so much unrest and civil unrest and there was COVID happening and there was so much need. And the the donors responded in the biggest way possible, distributing 40% more to charities than we had ever seen in prior years because they had that money setting aside ready to go. And a lot of charities will tell you when disaster strikes, they get the best opportunities for donations from their clients that have donor advised funds that are sitting there ready for a disaster. They're going to get those funds to you way faster than the government coming together and trying to put the program together and sometimes faster than the operating charities. So it's it's just so great to think about that, that when you have these accounts set aside, it's going to be ready for you when you need it. And just to reiterate, you get your deduction, your charitable deduction, when you make your contribution to your donor advised fund. And after that, it eventually it has to go to charity. There's nothing else that can happen with it. So it's really, an, and you can donate to your charitable fund anytime you want. It's completely up to you if you want, whenever you want to put either cash or you could put into it securities that have appreciated in value. So there's another benefit tax-wise. You can just put a stock in there that has a large capital gain. And once it's in the charitable fund, you can sell it with no tax consequences at all. Absolutely. And so we do see a lot of that. I will tell you that you know, if you look at national statistics, most people are still giving in cash. And that's just what they immediately think of. But once they learn about the advantages of gifting illiquid assets or secured marketable securities, it's hard to ignore that that should be the asset that you gift away because you're going to have a double win by getting the value of the security today to go to charity and then avoiding that gain. So we do see that, but because you can deduct a greater amount off of your adjusted gross income in cash, you can deduct up to 60% of your adjusted gross income in cash versus 30% if you gift securities or liquid assets. Sometimes people still do go the, the cash route and they'll sell the securities first. The other reason we might see someone do that is if there's a loss on the security. So it might be better to recognize the loss, cash it out, and then put that into your account. But yes, some great strategies there. And that's really the point, that there's a lot of ways you can look at this that can be helpful to you from a tax perspective and can fulfill your, your desires as far as being a donor. I, I think that Raymond James Trust started offering donor advised funds about about 20 years ago. That's right. right. Yeah. Back in 2000. It was back in 2000. Okay. And, and as a nonprofit, you, you guys track broadly the types of organizations that donations are going to every year. Can you describe a little bit about, you mentioned that you saw lots of activity in 2020, but just overall, what changes have you observed in where charitable dollars are going over the time that you've been there. So if you if you 
Well, allow me to indulge a little bit here. I, I'll tell you a little bit about Raymond James Charitable, but then also looking at giving more uh, nationally. So at Raymond James Charitable, we are seeing a shift that is also reflective of the national giving trends. But we have always seen most of our dollars go to faith-based organizations. And from decades ago, when people started giving, that's how giving has always slanted more to faith-based organizations. But as we have progressed and as the needs of the world have changed and the awareness of the needs in the world has become more apparent, we keep seeing more dollars getting directed into things like medicine and science and education, even the environment too. Actually, the environment slice of the pie went up significantly last year. So we are seeing more people move into these other slices of the pie. And I think it is attributed to the fact that you can read about things, you can hear about things, you can be on social media, you you can see what's happening in the world so much more easily now that you have an awareness of more options for directing your dollars. So I am seeing a lot of that trend. So the the faith-based organization is still the largest slice, but it's been shrinking a little bit and moving into these other areas. And definitely during 2020, we saw more going into education and uh, medicine and science based on what was going on in the world. But I'll also mention that when you look at giving in 2021, there was more than $480 billion gifted in that year alone, a ton of money gifted. And most of it, more than 65% of those dollars came from individuals. And that one of the largest growing slices of where the dollars went by individuals was actually to public and society benefit. And in that category, is where donor advised funds fall. That category grew more than 23% over the prior year. And it does include some other political lobbying type organizations, but all of the studies, the researchers believe that the real significant growth had to do with the fact that donor advised funds are growing in popularity and that's where the dollars are going. That's fascinating. So those numbers are for the whole country? Right, right. In the U.S., yep. In the U.S. Okay, just wanted to be sure. So what we're seeing is an overall increase in charitable dollars being gifted, and we're seeing a shift in the types of organizations and the wide variety of organizations that are ultimately uh, receiving those dollars. Well, I will say, so giving last year was up 4% over the prior year. But I think what's important to acknowledge is that giving has consistently for decades only been 2% of the GDP of the U.S. And it is hard to get that number up. And I think that awareness of giving opportunities and, and you know, how we talked about giving a, a stock, when people realize the options that they have to give more dollars, we'll start to see that number climb. But overall, we have unfortunately not seen a, a significant increase in the percentage of our GDP going to charity. All right, well, we'll have to try to do something about that. <laughs> yes, we do. I wanted you to talk a little bit. We had a conversation before this recording, and you were telling me some really interesting things about how the younger generation is 
is changing in the way that they give. And I, I love you to share that with our listeners. Yes. I mean, I think that it's, it's not hard to see that younger generations are very passionate individuals and they have very strong beliefs in different causes. And that's probably not different than the rest of us, but they are being more public and they have more ways to be public with their message. Social media has made it possible for people to be so much more public and, and vocal and spread their message across so many mediums, just so many thousands of people. And this young generation is very comfortable doing that. They're very comfortable posting on social media what they care about. And then you start seeing people at and their birthdays posting on Facebook, please, you know, in recognition of my birthday, please give to this charity and being very public with who they support. And I don't think that that was always the case. You know, I think our parents and grandparents were usually more private with their money and that included their charitable giving, but that's not what you're seeing with this younger generation. And there's even some sites out there that are encouraging really young donors to get involved with their parents' help and make donations to charities that they care about and then posting why they chose those charities. And it's just so heartwarming and inspiring to hear what their thoughts are on giving. And I think that that's why I hope that more people will be more public. It's not about bragging about how much money you give away or the dollar amount even. Just just the support of the causes that you care about really does inspire more people to get involved. And it's a great thing we're seeing. And that's kind of why they like to share, right? Because they want other people to join them in making donations to, like you said, on the birthdays, but not only on the birthdays, they, they want to inspire change. They're very motivated to do so. And you know what? When we've looked at studies, not just with the young group, but everyone, especially even our highest net worth clients, the biggest challenge they say they have when it comes to giving is knowing who to give to, where to give to. And it's helpful when somebody that you know is saying, I believe in this organization, they're doing great work. It it makes you feel much more comfortable supporting that charity than just looking at a list of charities that might have the same beliefs. So I think that that is really helping to inspire bigger movement and helping those people that are struggling with who do I give to? I want to be charitable, but I don't know who to give to. It's really helping solve that problem too. That's really a wonderful trend. I love to see that trend. I know that one of the consequences of the growth in this type of giving is that there was the first ever conference. I think you attended it first. What was it called? Yes, it was the Donor Advised Fund Giving Summit. And it was the first ever summit of its kind. And some people might think, well, donor advised funds, how could you have a whole conference with a group of people that care about that. And then those of us that went to it said, I can't believe we haven't done this yet. You know, these donor advisements have been around for decades. They didn't really start to grow in significant popularity until the 90s. And now we're in 2022. And it's the first time that all of these different organizations, there's now 
over a million donor advice funds out there. And we are now seeing there's so many community foundations that offer them. There's so many financial services institutions like Raymond James that has their own. And so coming together at this summit to learn from each other, not just how are we doing business and best practices. It was a lot about what are the giving trends? What do our donors want to see? What are their expectations? How can we make giving simple? How can we make people be able to give more and coming together at these conferences and even talking through, you know, we have a great problem in our space with the fact that we mail checks for our donations. And especially during the pandemic, charities started working from home, their physical locations, they started closing and they're saving money doing that. But we were trying to send checks out to their listed IRS address and the checks were getting returned. And so all of us in the industry have been facing that challenge of how do we move to electronic funds transfer? And there's some amazing collaboration going on right now among programs that all have the same need. We're not, we're going to do it together with unified technology solutions to make giving simple for everyone out there. So I I just loved it. We talked about legislation change and are we going to see anything happening there? And I think, you know, the there's a lot of talk about donor advice funds and how are they helping get money to charity and I think that we're going to see some changes possibly with donor advice funds and private foundations and the rules with the IRS, but nothing and the immediate future is is being talked about. So um, all of it is wonderful to hear that it is being discussed and all of us were there to talk about how to make it better, easier, and increase the giving and, and try to find a way to get over that 2% of GDP number. How can we influence greater change in that direction? Well, speaking of making things simpler, that's one of the things you've really done for the RJ Donor Advice Fund community. Do you want to talk about some of the changes you've made? And it's just so easy. And I really, I really want our clients to understand this is a simple process. And really, you have a great website. Anyway, I don't want to brag on you. You go ahead and tell us. <laughs> oh, no. Tell me more. I love hearing it. Uh, um, no. So uh, thank you, Sasha. Yeah. When I came on board almost five years ago, we were still doing a lot with paper and using email to make transactions happen. And that would keep me up at night and it was stressful to me. And so we've done so much to automate the business, electronic signatures to make things happen, utilizing the website more. We made our website mobile friendly. So people will sometimes ask, do you have an app? And no, we have something better. We have a website. So the entire website works on your phone and you don't have to download the app and save it on your device and take up storage. So we have a wonderful mobile friendly website, makes it so easy. If you're at a charity event and you feel inclined to raise your paddle and and give money to the charity, you can do that right from your phone and tell them the check is on the way. We also just turned on single sign-on access. So Raymond James clients can get right from their client access portal into their donor advice fund from there, less memory of username and password information. But I think, you know, the fact that you can open an account online 
in five minutes. I mean, the form is so simple and you can make grant requests out of your account that quickly and your financial advisor can move money from your Raymond James brokerage accounts into your DAF so simply with just electronic signatures. We've done a lot of things and I'm really proud of the the changes it's been making. We've been cutting service times and to fractions of where they were as a result. Congratulations. Oh, I have to brag about one other thing. Can I say one more thing? <laughs> yeah, please. So, our so anyone that's been in this space in the donor investment space, if you've worked with another program, it can take weeks sometimes for them to approve your grant request because in the donor investment space, you have to request that they send the charity the money and we're required to approve it. Well, at Raymond James Charitable last year, we launched automated grant approvals. So now if the request comes in for an account that has enough money in it and they're asking for less than $10,000 to go to a charity that they've already given to before or that we've already approved in our system, the system automatically sends it out. And so we went from taking you know, weeks to get through our one at a time priority order of grants to now three days or less, all checks going out and the ones that are automated going out the very next day. So huge improvement in that direction too. That's fantastic. And I'll just add that the reason that uh, they do have to uh, check the first time you request a particular donation to a particular organization, the trust company has to double check and make sure that they are a 501c3 in good standing because this is one big giant 501c3 actually, even though it's a bunch of accounts in it. And, and if there was a mistake, made, it could have consequences for lots of people. So that's why the first time they do take just a bit longer. But like you said, it's still pretty fast. And then after that, just very, very quick. And it's to protect our donors too. They don't want their dollars going to a charity that's not in good standing with the IRS either. And we do all that work for them. They don't have to check in with the charity or look them up. So we take care of all that. Well, I wanted to, before we close out, I wanted to give you an opportunity, if you would like to, to share any other favorite ways of giving besides donor advised funds. Nicole, I know there are lots of possibilities. If you've got one or two that you also really love, please share. So I think, uh, you know, it depends on your when we talk to clients about their giving, we always want to know how important is it to give now or upon death or to any charity or individual, or do you, are you, you know, what are your goals for giving and when are you trying to give? And sometimes it makes sense for someone to open a charitable trust and hold the assets and trust make some distributions to beneficiaries today. And then at the end of the term of the trust, let the balance go to charity. And there's some great tax advantages in doing that. And you can balance your portfolio that way. So that's sometimes a good choice. A charitable lead trust would also allow someone to put assets in there that they don't want now as a donor. They want to give money to charity, but they want them to stay in the family and they want them to pass to their heirs after they pass or at the end of the term of the lead trust. So that's another great solution I also see. 
And sometimes the private foundation is the way to go. So donor advisements are constantly compared to private foundations. We were just talking about how you can name them. Mine is the Heisler Family Foundation. It seems like a private foundation, but private foundations are going to be a better fit if somebody is really trying to run a charity and they maybe want to have their own grant program or their own scholarship program. And they like the idea of getting family together and having board meetings and maybe even hiring staff to run the grant program selection process that they're offering. So anybody that's really wanting to be that actively involved, not on a fundraising side, they want to privately fund it, but they want to be that active with a a charity is going to be a great fit for a private foundation. So um, we also see clients that are really going to benefit from a charitable gift annuity. So you might see at your university or hospitals sometimes have these where you can fund a gift annuity you get distributions of from that annuity today. And then at the end of your life, the balance passes to the university or the um, school that you open the account with. So there's a lot of different options. The other most popular one next to cash is the qualified charitable distribution from an IRA. So if you have to take RMDs, You might benefit from just passing those assets directly to charity, not recognizing the income, and then letting it go right to charity so you avoid paying the tax on that income. One thing to note about those is they can't fund a donor advice center or private foundation has to go to an operating charity, but it it could be the right solution for the right client. And just to translate for everybody, RMD is a required minimum distribution from your IRA or potentially a beneficiary IRA. And that is an elegant solution for charitable giving. And that's also very easy to do. And, and actually, our office does that quite a bit for people. I wish we had more time, Nicole, but a great resource for people to explore is your website. It's very easy to understand and it's easy to navigate. Why don't you tell us a little bit about it and give us the uh, website address and we'll put it in our show notes as well. Thank you, Sasha. Yes. So RaymondJamesCharitable.org is a great resource for you. It does have a little video on there to explain donor advice funds again, if you wanted some clarifying information about that. And we talk about planned giving too, how you could name your donor advice fund in your annuity and your IRA documents as a beneficiary on insurance. Um, that could be a great planning strategy too. So it has a wealth of information. Talk to you about how you can get started with opening an account, but really the best thing to do is call Sasha and she will walk you through it and help you get started in this space. So thank you, Sasha, so much for being such an advocate for our program. My pleasure. Thanks for listening to Money Conscious. Visit us at millstoneevansgroup.com. You can follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Until next time, I'm Sasha Millstone. Sasha Millstone is the president and an investment advisor with the Millstone Evans Group, a registered investment advisor located in Colorado. All opinions expressed by Sasha and her podcast guests on this show are their own opinions and do not reflect the opinions of the Millstone Evans Group. All statements and opinions expressed are based upon information considered reliable, although it should not be relied upon as such. Any statements or opinions are subject to change without notice. 
Information presented is for educational purposes only and does not intend to make an offer or solicitation for the sale or purchase of any specific securities, investments, or investment strategies. Investments involve risk and unless otherwise stated are not guaranteed. Information expressed does not take into account your specific situation or objectives and is not intended as recommendations appropriate for any individual. Listeners are encouraged to seek advice from a qualified tax, legal, or investment advisor to determine whether any information presented may be suitable for their specific situation. Past performance is not indicative of future performance.